Well, hey there. Welcome to Switching Majors. I'm your host, Mary Ellen Pesanello, and this is episode three. How the hell do I do LinkedIn? I know, I know you're all super excited to get into it and to unpack exactly what you need to know about LinkedIn to come out of college and get your first job, but I need to do a little bit of covering my ass, everyone. For those of you that don't know, I'm Mary Ellen, and I am here to say that the opinions and views that I discuss in this podcast do not represent the opinions or views of my current or past employers. <laughs> hey, kids. That was Covering Your Ass 101. This is the Swishing Majors podcast, and we are going to talk about LinkedIn today. So when I first designed these lessons, if you will, when I was first making this professional development roadmap for my interns, it was a really tough decision to pick where to start because there's so much that needs to get done before you even get considered for an opportunity. You need to have your resume worked out. You need to have a cover letter that's strong. You need to know how to formulate an email, how to make a request of a perfect stranger. You need to know how to network. But I felt that LinkedIn was a really, really good place to begin for one reason. It is the place in which you can best duplicate your efforts. And what I mean by that is everything that we'll be putting on LinkedIn has the potential to be used on our resume. So while not everything that we put on LinkedIn will be on our resume, everything that's on our resume will be on LinkedIn. And I feel that there are two categories that we can focus on when you're working on your LinkedIn profile. They are the surface elements of the profile and then the foundational elements of the profile. So when I say surface, I mean your picture, your background image, everything that comes up and populates and makes an impression within the first few seconds of someone viewing your LinkedIn profile. So let's talk about the picture. For the love of God, I do not want you cropping Becky out of a bar picture where her hair is like covering your face. I need you guys to have a very professional headshot or photo of yourselves to represent yourself online, especially within a site that's that's for networking, professionalism, and recruiting. So I know that you're in college, you just started working, you don't have a lot of money. I think that if you can't find a nice photo of yourself that is just a view that clearly shows your head in a proper top for showing your shoulders, I think that you can take your own. And normally what I recommend is that you cover your shoulders. You can do this with a darker t-shirt as opposed to a lighter one, depending on your skin tone. You can throw on a blazer and you can stand against a white wall and using an iPhone or smartphone, anything with a decent camera, you can take a picture and then you can edit that into black and white. And when you are strapped for cash and you can't hire someone to take professional headshots for you, or if you don't have the means of getting a professional photographer to take a headshot for you, 
grayscaling a photo gives it an air of class that can help you more than hurt you. So suddenly, if you're wearing a denim jacket, it it's not as of an as much of an eyesore. It, it's it's grayscaled. You're looking good. Then you know you also have the opportunity to pick your background image. So the background image is the image that floats behind your headshot, and it can be anything you want. Mine is of New York City because that is where I am located, and it's a really nice photo of New York that I grabbed off of Google. I've seen people include inspirational quotes. I've seen people include um, just like, uh, you know, shape images, really ambiguous images, but professional at the same time. And I think that that space is a good opportunity for you to show a little bit of yourself. But I would recommend that unless you are someone who dabbles in photography, that you choose a stock image for that image. I've also seen people use quotes on their background image and I can get behind a good quote your girl over here loves me some Brene Brown okay and some Teddy Roosevelt but if that quote is displayed in a font or typeface that is too childlike I would strongly deter you from from using that image I think that you have such a limited amount of time to make a first impression on a person that you don't want to do yourself any harm. You want to make sure that you are as professional as you can be with your first foot forward and really just set a nice tone while, you know, obviously showing who you are. Then another thing that I've seen from a lot of people is that they don't know how to edit their vanity URL in LinkedIn. So you could Google this, um, but just to quickly run through it, and I pulled these directions off of Google, you're going to want to click the me icon at the top of your LinkedIn homepage. And then from there, uh, click on view profile. Once you're in your view profile, you want to edit the public profile and URL, which is its own button in the top right rail of the web page. I advise doing this on desktop because I have not figured out how to do it on mobile. I'm not that savvy. So you'll be directed to the public profile setting page where you can edit your custom URL on the right rail and click the edit icon next to your public profile URL so that your address can be www.linkedin.com backslash in backslash whatever text you want it to write. So your text, I advise, should be your name. If your name is two first names and a very Italian last name with a lot of vowels like mine, maybe you want to go shorter. Uh, You can do your first initial and your last name. You could do um, a professional handle. As we've discussed, my professional handle on all of my sites is Mary Ellen Pess. So it's really up to you. But I do think that condensing that URL and personalizing it will help you put it into email signatures and include it on your resume down the road. So then, you know, also in that first impression, you have your LinkedIn title. I am enough of an asshole that I include Mary Ellen Pasanello, comma, MBA in my title. 
that is a tactic. You know, I I think I'm kind of a priss for including it, but also I paid a lot of money for my degree, so I want to make sure that those three letters really go front and center. So I'm a little torn, well, not torn, but indifferent about whether or not your name includes anything after the fact. Uh, that's your own personal call. But what I do think carries a lot of weight on LinkedIn is the subheadline, the text that comes after your name. On your profile, it is listed below your name. When you are searching for somebody, it is the secondary text that follows their name on LinkedIn. And currently mine reads, Digital Marketing Manager, Partnerships and Promotions at Discovery's Food Network. So I'm doing a lot of different things in a very short amount of text. What I'm doing is I'm saying that I work in digital marketing, which is its own division of the company. My focus of my job is on partnerships and promotions. And then I work for Discovery's Food Network. A lot of the time, people don't understand the difference between a company and a brand of that company. So Food Network, luckily, is notable enough on its own that if I told someone I worked for Food Network, they think that's really hot shit. But they often more often than not, do not know that Food Network is owned by Discovery. Discovery owns a lot of different networks and brands and actually is a global company, which I am so, you know, shocked that a lot of people, especially those looking to get into the industry, don't know this. But Discovery obviously owns Discovery Channel. It owns Animal Planet, TLC, HGTV, Um, ID network own and then also has a huge presence as I said globally and we own Eurosport over in Europe so the ESPN of Europe Um, basically this type of explanation this quick explanation in my subtext in my headline text really can give people a better picture of exactly what I do and also, you know, throw in those names that really carry a lot of clout within the industry. And then I would say that finally, the last bit of the LinkedIn profile that can be much more customized, much more playful, and much more personal is the about section. So mine is very friendly. Uh, I try to keep it short it is basically the it's basically what i would say in an elevator if someone asked me what i did or for this generation it's in a nutshell the way that i would describe myself from a career perspective on a first date so I mention my MBA, I mention Food Network, I mention all of the schooling I've done. And then finally, at the end, mine is very personal. So I write that in my free time, I'm very active, often at the gym, cooking, sewing, or writing. In the long run, I aspire to passionately continue a career in television, entertainment, and digital media. Questions? Want to say hey? feel free to reach me at mary.ellen.pesanello at gmail.com. So what I've done in this about section is I have directly provided some contact information. And I always, you know, everybody is always so hesitant to give out their contact information. But the way that I look at it is that if I don't want to talk to somebody, 
I just will not answer them. And especially in 2021, the means of which that I can block an email or block a number are a lot. (laughs) So if someone starts you know, giving me unwanted messages or attention or correspondence, I'm, I'm not really that worried about ensuring that I never hear from them again after the fact. So this is just the personal, more customizable aspects of LinkedIn. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we were going to break LinkedIn into surface sections and then foundational sections. So now I want to get into how I use LinkedIn to teach younger individuals the process of resume writing and how LinkedIn is kind of where you do your rough draft of your resume. So if you are familiar with applications and trying to enter into the working world, it is a rule of thumb, especially when you start out, that you should keep your resume to one page. That might change as you get older. I personally believe that as of this moment, my resume will forever be one page. I think that people don't have time to look at more than one page. And frankly, they don't really fucking care. But the beauty of LinkedIn is that it goes on and on and on. And if at any point someone doesn't care anymore, they just stop reading. So I developed this theory when I was moving from being an intern to being a full-time employee. And what killed me was that after five internships over the course of three years at NYU, or two years, whatever it was, I had to take them all off of my resume. That really sucked. It really, really sucked. We have a um, term in the film industry called killing your darlings. And what that means is in the film world, you got up at dawn. The light is perfect. The scene is set The camera is rolling and everything is the most picturesque shit you have ever seen. But then you get into the editing room and even though you really, really love that shot, the continuity and the flow of the cut isn't making any sense. So your perfect, perfect shot that you love with every fiber of your being needs to leave the film. And that's what you call killing your darlings. So often on our resume and in our professional career, The experiences that might have been the most impactful to you aren't going to serve you the best in the long run. And that is why we honor them by allowing them to forever live on LinkedIn. So if everything is going to always live on LinkedIn, that means that everything that you have ever done in a job or an experience should be within that description on LinkedIn. So we write our bullets for LinkedIn, and then we cut them down and pick and choose them for our one-page resume. So let's get into writing bullets and how you actually construct them. So when you're writing bullets to talk about an experience that you had or an employment that you held, you're telling a story and you want to make sure that whatever the accomplishment is, because each bullet in itself is an accomplishment, has a beginning and a middle and an end. So what was the task at hand? How did you approach it? How did you do it? 
what were the results? A lot of people forget to talk about the results. And frankly, it doesn't matter if you sorted the mail. All that matters is that the people who the letters were addressed to got what they needed. Another nice trick that I like to advise for writing your bullets is to remember the rule of three. It is scientifically proven that when our brains hear things in groups of three, they become more satisfying to us internally, psychologically. And we can see this in countless examples from childhood stories of Goldilocks and the Three Bears to the Three Little Pigs, but also in modern television and movies, three acts to a play. So when you are thinking about constructing your bullet, not only do you want to think about the beginning, the middle, and the end, but you want to think about clumping together words that can describe the action in three ways. So you initiated, organized, and activated. You organized, directed, and distributed. I think that those are always really good nice-to-haves when crafting your bullets. And then I would also recommend that when you're writing about any job that you've had, you be sure to include the software and the product names that you're using. I think that being able to say that you are familiar with Adobe Analytics or Google Analytics is is a much better way of showing your knowledge about the subject matter rather than saying that you deep dive into reporting. So now let's talk quickly about numbers. There are some numbers that are proprietary to the company that you are working for, whether that be full-time employment or an internship. So for example, making this up, If you have a digital marketing budget of $100,000, don't put that on your resume. Just say that you managed a budget of over six figures. Or if your campaign was very successful, don't say that you saw 100 clicks, whereas previously you only saw 25. Say that you increased performance by 75%. I love when I see tangible results on a resume, but as someone who has hired people in the past, I know that there are certain things that cannot be disclosed, especially if you are interviewing at a competing company. So this is just a cautionary piece of advice that when you consider adding month-over-month performance, year-over-year performance onto your resume, that you calculate that out as a percentage, not only to be respectful to your current employer and your team, but as we started out this podcast, to cover your own ass. So now that you have a robust list of bullets that totally encompass everything that you've ever done within that role, the order in which you list them is pretty important. Rule of thumb is that you're going to want to list those bullets from the most important to the least significant. But having been someone who started my career as an executive assistant and then went to be an ad sales coordinator, 
that's a little bit different. So while I was an executive assistant, yes, I was scheduling meetings and getting lunches and and booking appointments, but I was also learning linear ad sales on the side and I was helping out the sales team by managing the Detroit accounts. So when it came time for me to get my next job, that was the bullet that I led with, was that I was managing the Detroit accounts for The Walking Dead and and helping with the linear programming of those advertising units. I think that that decision to have that bullet come first was crucial in me getting that sales assistant job over at CBS Interactive because they were more likely to hire someone who had sales experience rather than someone who had been an executive assistant. So I want you to think about not only what bullet should come first in terms of how you spent your time, but what bullet should come first in terms of how you want to spend your time at your next opportunity. So we've talked a lot about rules of thumb for these bullets and how to compile them and maybe what to do. But the biggest question that I get asked is, what the hell do I write? And that's where it gets a little bit more complicated, mainly because I can't write this stuff for you. However, everything is is teachable and everything can be learned. So the best advice I have about starting your bullets is what I call word vomit. So on a piece of paper, in a Word document, in a Google document, you're going to write down everything you did and how you did it. So you answered phones, you sent emails, you scheduled meetings, you booked travel, and all of those should be their own bullet. And once you get through your entire job, everything that you have done, You're going to lump together the like-minded tasks and suddenly you start turning this sprinkled list into a functional bullet for discussion that best explains your role. So let's take the example that I just said. Sent emails, scheduled meetings, book travel. Those when I start are each an individual bullet within my document. Then I lump them together. And then I say, how do I turn these three tasks into something that can cohesively go together in one sentence? I oversaw, managed, and cross-checked departmental day-to-day functions via email correspondence, meeting scheduling and confirmation, which often included travel arrangements, off-site coordination, and itinerary distribution. So when you are crafting this, it needs to just be a thought rather than a proper sentence. I do not think that your bullet should end with a period because I don't think that they should be sentences. I think that you can get a lot more out of throwing in a semicolon and really capitalizing on train of thought rather than sticking to proper grammar when you're doing this. But that is an example of how to take something that was pretty mundane and spice it up and make it much more attractable to a potential employer. When we cover resumes in a future episode, I'm going to present a lot more examples of how to spice up these bullets on your resume. But remember, we're still on LinkedIn. And 
the beauty of LinkedIn is that you can have as many of these bullets as you want. And as we mentioned, then you take the top three and that's what lives on your resume. LinkedIn also has the opportunity for you to include videos and links to articles within a section of your experience. And I always like utilizing that tool, not just for people viewing my profile, but also for me. I like seeing a graphic, tangible representation of the work that I worked on. And I do think that having links and articles and press shows other people the results of the the bigger scale of what you were contributing to. I do think that this addition is only viewable from existing contacts on LinkedIn, but I also like mentioning it to young people because it's a very easy way to avoid throwing money at a personal website or at least to avoid having to throw money at a personal website for a couple more years. And then finally, if you're ever making changes to your LinkedIn, you're going to want to make sure that you check those changes. So when you're in editing your profile, at the very top, we're going to click on that same button that was helpful when we were setting our vanity URL. And by clicking on that, you'll be able to see your public profile on LinkedIn, which means how it is going to come up if somebody who is a non-LinkedIn member clicks on it via Google or comes across your web, your LinkedIn profile itself. When you're looking through this, you want to remember that right under your about section, which shows in full, is your activity. So it is important that whatever activity you're liking or posting on LinkedIn is the best foot forward representation of yourself because that's the first thing that everyone's going to see. You can, of course, um, take that off, uh, but I really like showing that I support my colleagues and my industry, and I think it shows someone viewing my profile what I might be interested in, but it's just food for thought. Then as you scroll down, you're going to want to check your experiences, check your titles, check your dates, make sure that things read correctly or spaced correctly, and really run through that whole thing because, you know, you want to make sure that if you're taking the time for this to be your foundation for the rest of your professional materials, that this is correct. And that's all that I really have for you on your LinkedIn profile. Because remember, at the start of this episode, we said that we were going to talk about the surface and then the foundational aspects of your profile. But LinkedIn is just such an amazing tool. It's so vast in its capabilities that now that your profile is 100, you're going to want to use LinkedIn's tools to further your career search and your career path. So you can use LinkedIn, as we all know, for networking, you can send messages, you can do a job search on there. But what I feel is not always covered is the job targeting. So let's just run through some of these topics pretty quickly. Every time I have an intern, they tend to get a little timid about requesting people on LinkedIn. And I never really understand why. I think that the second that you meet a new person in a new experience, you should be sending them a LinkedIn request. 
And you should be doing this whether you're meeting someone new, whether you're emailing with someone new, or whether you're in a meeting with someone new who you've never met before. I try as a manager when I have a new employee to really go out of my way to introduce people. And when I mean introduce, I say the name of the person that I'm introducing and context of who they are in the company and then the name of the person, the other person in the conversation and the context of who they are in the company. So, you know, shout out to my old intern, Lauren. Lauren, this is my boss, Tara, who is our director of digital marketing for CBS News. Tara, this is our new intern for the semester, Lauren. Okay, I feel like people are not that great at introductions, so LinkedIn can be a way to do it yourself. And as long as it's timely, you're golden. So go ahead, hit that request button. What's the worst that happens? They don't accept you? Oh God, spare me. So when you expand your network, you end up having a better way to search for contacts at potential jobs down the road. So that's why it's so important to always request people that you even know adjacently at a company. And even if you don't know them and they and you work with them, sending them a LinkedIn request is a really good way to um to get to know them. And I can't tell you enough how when I have an informational meeting with somebody or I'm meeting someone for the first time, I love it when I see that they viewed my LinkedIn profile an hour or two hours before we're going to meet because that tells me that they're doing their homework. So LinkedIn is the one social media site where it's okay to kind of stalk. It's okay if someone sees that you're looking at their profile and it's all going to be all right. So another way that you can use LinkedIn is to message people if you don't have their email. So Again, you guys are starting out in the world. I don't advise that you throw money at your problems just yet, but LinkedIn Premium allows you to send more in messages than not to people who are not your connection. But to send a message to someone, they typically need to be a connection of yours. So that's another reason why it's important to make sure that you make that connection so that if in five years you need a referral, you don't have to go through the process of connecting with someone before you send them a message to ask them for a favor. I advise that you really check your messages on LinkedIn, that you keep a clean inbox, and that when a recruiter hits you up for work on LinkedIn, that you respond to them. So I can't tell you how many recruiters have reached out to me about various roles on LinkedIn. It is a big tool for uh, company HR departments and recruiters. LinkedIn really saves a lot of the legwork of finding candidates. But for instance, I got a in-message the other day from a company that wanted me to maybe look at this marketing position. And once I read the job description, I was like, wait a minute, this needs me to do the entire digital marketing campaign for their email acquisition. I don't really have, I mean, I kind of, I could, sure, I could try to do it. But what I wrote back to the girl was, hey, I noticed that the first responsibility of this job is something out of my wheelhouse. And as much as I appreciate you, you know, considering me for this opportunity, I don't want to waste your time. People love that and they remember that. 
So I do think that it is important to use those messages to keep a good relationship, thank them for any opportunity that you're not interested in, pursue the opportunities that you are interested in, and then to develop the relationship further. Because just because a recruiter is recruiting for the job that is in that moment, they will be recruiting for another job down the road. And whether that job down the road is for you or for a friend, it's always important to keep that connection. I also think that searching for jobs on LinkedIn is a really good feature. You can apply to some jobs directly with your LinkedIn profile, which, you know, is another great reason why we're making our profile so robust. And we will talk more about using LinkedIn um, when you actually apply for jobs in a later episode. But what I also really love about LinkedIn is that you can job target. So if I want to go work at Tesla, which is a company that I am completely not qualified to work for, Um, If I wanted to go work at Tesla, that means that I could research the company on LinkedIn, I could find people that also work at Tesla on LinkedIn, and then I can connect with recruiters on LinkedIn. And this is something that you should really start doing as soon as you can, as soon as your LinkedIn profile is ready to show to the world. And what I mean by this job targeting sense is let's, let's keep with the Tesla example. I really, really want to work for Tesla, but right now I work for Food Network. By the way, I'm making this up. Anyway, so if I have a bad day, I might unwind after Food Network with a glass of wine, and while watching TV mindlessly, I'll go onto LinkedIn and I will search Tesla Recruiter, Tesla HR, Tesla Talent Acquisitions, and then I'll see who pops up. And I'll go through and I'll hit connect, 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 connect. And hopefully, maybe out of 10 or so people that I try to connect with, maybe two to three of them accept my request. And it's not something that I'm doing because there's a job opening at Tesla in that moment. It's something that I'm doing because maybe one day down the road in a year, in five years, I'm going to want to work for Tesla. And now that I have already made that connection with one of their talent acquisition people, I am that much more of a step closer to being able to message them directly to say, hey, I just applied for this job. Here is my resume, rather than having to wait on them to accept my request before I get to send that message. So we'll cover a lot more of this in like your graduation plan if you are an undergrad. But I do think that this is a nice little tip of how to use LinkedIn to your advantage. And then of course, there are aspects of LinkedIn that I just think I don't want to go into too much detail of because if you are the target generation of this podcast, you are probably better at social media than I am. But if you get an internship, if you're leaving an internship, yeah, you can do a post. Don't be annoying about it. Don't make it a paragraph long. Tag the people that helped you. Um, make sure that you just say you're grateful for the opportunity. I understand the positives of a LinkedIn post and I fully support your endeavors there. You know, then also I would finally say that if you are using LinkedIn as a networking tool and trying to solicit informational interviews, 
which by the way, will be a whole podcast in itself. If you're trying to solicit informational interviews on LinkedIn, just be transparent about what you're trying to do. Hey, Mary Ellen, I see you work at Food Network and I see that you work in digital marketing. I'm a recent graduate and not only do I love the Food Network, but I've been thinking about going into digital marketing myself. Do you have a few minutes to talk about this with me? No one wants to beat around the bush. Uh, people's time is very, very precious. So I want simul- – there's two things you guys have to do. One is get over the non-existent embarrassment of trying to send a message while simultaneously just making sure that your intentions and points are clear and candid and from a good place and you'll be fine. I am sure that I could keep on going and going about LinkedIn and the way to use this tool and I think that if I just bring it back for a moment, LinkedIn is the place that we're starting. This podcast series is going to be at least 12 episodes where we deep dive into the different facets of professional development and your start to your career. So that's all we're going to talk about with LinkedIn for right now, but we did touch on the tip of the icebergs of a lot of other topics. So on the next episode, we'll be deep diving into resumes, which I know everybody is so flippin' excited to get into because that seems to be the barrier to entry document that literally keeps people awake at night. So not only will next episode talk about resumes, but there will also be a supplemental video on my website, maryellenpesanello.com, where I teach a fun resume template and show examples of different resumes that are mine. So yeah, thanks for sticking around, guys. Really appreciate it. Again, my name is Mary Ellen Pesanello. Be sure to hit me up, email me, DM me with any of your questions. I can't guarantee that I'll get to everything all at once, but I will be trying to answer questions as they come in. This has been episode three of Switching Majors. Catch you guys next time.